Lydia, are you getting out a new bottle of wine? You don't cut that out. <laughs> I'm just I pouring a little more. Please pour a little. Please cut that out. Uh, yeah, just I'll be sure to cut it out. Promise. Just a sip. I I am gonna include the audio of it pouring into the glass. <laughs> no. Yeah. 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 Welcome to the second episode of the BQ Moonshot podcast. The BQ Moonshot is a show dedicated to building, gathering, and sharing inspiration for marathon training and running. Join us as we share in-depth training ideas and tips, stories, and all things running related while we document a runner's buildup to a Moonshot BQ attempt. Today we're talking less about my plans for the BQ attempt and more about Paul and Lydia's recent training leading up to their marathon in June. Then I'm really excited for you to hear from our friend Janine as she details her incredible Moonshot attempt. Did she make it? You'll have to listen and find out. Okay, welcome to week two of the podcast. How's everybody doing? Pretty good, actually. This week, the weather's turned nice here in Jacksonville. So uh, we've got a little bit of May, uh, real spring. I got a little hope for my fitness. I'm Jacob. I'm Paul. And I'm Lydia. And what are we going to talk about today? How to find your why. Let's go, everybody who, who's listening, we can just go over the ground rules real quick again. We're going to talk about Paul and Lydia's workouts a lot today. And Paul and Lydia are real fast. They might not tell you that if, if you uh, talk to them, but in the grand scheme of the world, they are F-A-F, fast as frick. Frick flies. Yep. Um, so just remember when you're listening that we're only talking about their fast. It's not going to be your fast. Just take what we're talking about and apply it to your own life. Um, what else are our ground rules? Um, more failures than victories. Oh, more failures than victories. And oh, progress is slow. Let's so let's just dive in. Let's talk about your workouts. Paul, you should talk about yours because you killed it. Okay. So on Friday, you were setting out to run 20 miles. You're going to do three miles by one mile by one mile times two for a grand total of 10 miles real fast. Hard. Yeah. You sent me uh, voice memos in the morning. Paul, how are you feeling for the workout this morning? Um, It's hot. And it's 74 degrees right now. It's not even 5 a.m. We're going to start at 5. And I'm a little nervous. Um, I don't do as well on the heat. But um, I'm excited. Um, 20 miles. And then 2 by 3 mile. Um, half mile jog. 1 mile. 1 minute rest. 1 mile. Half mile jog. And then repeat. So probably start a little slower on the um, first 3 mile. Probably close to exactly... Um, gold marathon pace, which for us, you and Lydia, you and me and you, Lydia, probably about 6.40, 6.35. We'll see. We'll see what happens. So, uh, it is what it is. It's hot as hell. But we'll, um, we'll check it out. Okay, Lydia, how are you feeling about today's workout? Uh, woke up pretty tired. Uh, Friday work, long run workouts are hard. Um, just kind of gonna just sit behind you and <laughs> get your back for this 20 miles. How did it go? You know, it was uh, 74 degrees at the start, pretty humid, and I decided, which you probably heard in the um, in the little little voice recording, um, I was gonna go out. We were gonna go out a little bit easier. Um, we did seven miles up front and then started the three miles. We averaged um, right around 6.30. Um, honestly, it felt hard but manageable. Um, did a half-mile jog and then did a mile. I forget exactly, but I think it was 6.25. Wow. 
625, then it did a one minute, and then did a 616. And at that point, I was like, man, it is hot as heck out here. Um, And at that point, I tried to play mind games in my head and just say, look, just do one of the prescribed intervals at a time. And if you feel like you're falling off pace, you know, just reassess at that point. So at that point, I did the half mile jog um, between the one mile and the next three mile got into the three mile and actually even though it was hard um it felt pretty good um i think for that one i averaged 624 625 something like that and then i did a mile and that was uh 612 um and then i may have taken more than uh, a minute because lydia bought me gatorade and i wished i could bathe in it at that point I did ran, uh, my last mile was a 6.02, and then I finished a mile and a half to make it 20. And so I was happy I survived. By no means did it feel good, which I think a lot of times we as runners think every run should feel fantastic. It did not. So what's your advice for somebody doing a workout like that? It's what you said to when you're in it, if it starts to get real tough, you need to break it down, right? Yeah. I mean, honestly, if you think about the, it's like the marathon, right? You're training, your training has to almost simulate the marathon. And there's times in the marathon, and I used to say this to myself all the time and to my athletes all the time, there'll be at least one time in the marathon when you are going to feel like absolute garbage. And you have to find ways in training to kind of work through that bad patch and come out the other side if you can. And so training for me in that very moment was, in that workout was, oof, this doesn't feel good, but I know this is going to, as long as I don't fall apart completely, this is going to be, this is going to help me in the long run. So if you can break up the workout or break up the the marathon into small, more achievable pieces, then it's going to be, then it's going to be easier for you to wrap your head around it. Cool. Lydia. <laughs> funny funny how we transition um mine went a little different uh, oh, wait let me say before you talk about how it went but we already talked about this this morning oh no we talked about it on saturday uh, lydia is usually pretty chipper and usually is not one stepping anybody paul is usually the one one stepping lydia was the, the the quietest I've ever heard her in my life from the word go. And she was 10 feet ahead of us. And she was like, I don't want anything. I have wanted nothing part of that. (laughs) So I was a little worried. So the reason I had decided to do it Friday was because I wanted to help Paul with the workout, but I was a little worried because we had done eight by mile on Wednesday with one minute rest, which is a hard workout. And so I was thinking it was going to be a very quick turnaround to do a Friday workout. And so I have done so many of these workouts and I started from the very first mile. I felt very, very, very tired. It was very humid. And I felt in the three miles, we were meant to go out at 640 and we were doing 625. Um, We were going to adjust to 640 because of the weather and we just kind of didn't. And I just was working so hard. And so we did that and then we did the mile and I was just sweating profusely. I just felt horrible. And I think I've just done so many of these now that I'm just, it's like you, there's a point where you're like, you know, if you're giving up or if you're just like, this isn't the right time to do this workout. And I decided it wasn't the time to do the workout. So I told Paul, I'm not going to do the workout. Um, and I didn't feel, I wasn't upset about used to like 10, five years ago, I'd probably be like worried about it or I gave up or something. But I think you just have to know that there's a point, there's a point where you start going backwards when you push too hard and go to the well. And that was what I was going to be doing. If I finished that workout, um, that's hard to figure out because it's really easy to just do that all the time. Um, I feel like I've gotten to a point where I know when that was dumb. Um, when that's dumb to do that, but, um, yeah, so I just did 13 and then I did 22 miles on Saturday and 
that was it. Didn't try to make up for it. My, okay. I love that advice. He didn't try to make up for it the next day. He did do 22 miles at a, not in, not your easiest pace mm-hmm. ever. But um, I, if I can reiterate to everybody again, a year ago, 18 months ago, Lydia ran a 247 marathon. So what percent does that put you in for women in the world? One, 1%, 2%? Maybe. Like it's, a, it's a high percent, I'm sure. Like you're fast. And if you just, it's, it's different. I mean, if you say in in the world as a whole, it's definitely different. But if you're talking about America, then it'll top it. Well, and like top, top three fastest women in Jacksonville, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. At the marathon yes. for sure. So yeah. you hit on it a little bit, but what is your advice for knowing yourself and figuring out in the workout, like, this is going to be detrimental to my training or this is going to be additive to my training. And then what's your advice for afterwards, after it's over, if you quit it? I mean, honestly, that is, that's hard. It depends on where you are. It does take practice to figure that out. Right. Because when you're new and you're in the beginning of it, it's always hard. And so I I won't lie and say like, you just magically know when it's a time to push through and a time not to like, that is a hard, that is a hard thing to figure out. And I think, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, so I won't, I won't say it's not hard to figure that out. Um, I think if you're in a workout and you have, and you're just getting worse and worse and you're really, really trying and putting a lot, the same effort forward, I mean, I've had, you know, one of my mentors tells me, you know, your legs don't know how fast you're going. So a lot of times it's better just to keep doing the workout and your legs don't know how fast you're going. So the effort's there. At this point in this workout specifically, I felt like I was very, very hot. I was, I was, I could just tell I'm not getting anything from this workout. Um, because and you I were have, mentally exhausted from uh, a stressful work week as well. Stressful work week. I kind of knew I wasn't recovered, um, <laughs> but it's it's easy to like put those excuses out. So I was. It, it is kind of practice. And if I was a new person, I probably would not do that a lot, honestly. Um, but I, I I know myself so well because I've been doing this for so long. Um, that I, I knew it was the time. Now I will say a lot of people that are new to it would try to do it the next day. Um, and to me, Paul has always taught me like you miss a workout, you miss a workout, be done with it. And I will say I did 22 miles, felt great on Saturday. I think if I'd have waited and done it Saturday, I'd have felt good. I didn't chalk it off. It's fine. Today mm-hmm. I had the best workout of my I've ever done. So I think, so, so I think sometimes it's kind of like, my body just wasn't quite ready for it. And I said to Paul, what I was going to say earlier is I said to Paul, I don't understand why today I was running 605 and it felt like I was jogging. And mm-hmm. Saturday I couldn't, like 625 felt like I was racing. Yeah. And he just kind of laughed at it and said, well, Lydia, you know better than that. That's it's Training's not linear. And that's exactly right. I was just going to say, I would say to the beginners or the people that aren't as um... – is doing this as often it's like if you're uh, <clears throat> less than halfway through the workout and you're feeling awful or you're falling off pace you're not hitting your paces and i would t- seriously consider telling you to probably live to run another day and just kind of chalk that up as just not being right on that one day and there's almost never a good reason to just try and do it the next day not necessarily, unless it like Jacksonville when it's ninety degrees one day, and then you have yeah. this freak sixty degree degree day, and and the following day is going to be ninety again. Then sure, but and for me, like mine, like I had done four miles of work, so yeah, I didn't do the ten miles of work that I wanted to. But if I would have done fourteen miles on thirteen miles on Friday with four miles of work, it would make no sense to do twenty two with ten miles on Saturday. Like that's just. I was just asking for trouble. I mean, at the end of the day, consistency is better than anything. So if something happened and I got a tightened up calf or something hurt or whatever, then, and I had to take a couple of days off, that's worse, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Any other thoughts on those 
tough workouts? I mean, again, I would just say it's like people think sometimes that one workout makes or breaks a marathon training cycle or a goal race training cycle. And honestly, it's the accumulation of those workouts that can end up being the difference between PRing or not PRing. And I just encourage people, which is what I said to Lydia today, like I just encourage people to like, just realize one workout is one workout and it's not the end of the world if it doesn't go as great or if it doesn't go as well. And, and you know, your body doesn't know how fast you're running. Yeah. And if the effort feels there and, you've, and you're not running the paces your coach or I or whoever gives you, then it's not the end of the world. It's more about effort. It's about getting in time on legs. Um, if you can save, a, you know, no, save yourself from an injury um, or t- having to take time off, like more than a few days off and it's better to just cancel that day and just say i'm i'm going to come back the next next couple days the only other thing i would say is that i think it's really funny that on friday i told paul that i didn't know that i would be able to make finish the marathon because i was kind of frustrated and then today i thought i can run a marathon at this pace in my three mile like so i think it's just it just goes to show that it's so mental Okay, I'm going to transition into uh, a question for the coaches. Okay. Okay, cool. So kind of the premise of this podcast isn't necessarily if you're new to running, although if you are new to running, we love you. Welcome. Keep listening. But it's more for like if you've been running a lot or you've maybe run a couple races, maybe a marathon or two, but maybe not. But if you're thinking about really upping your, uh, Lydia, are you getting out a new bottle of wine? You don't cut that out. <laughs> I'm just I pouring a little out. more. Please pour a little. Please cut that out. <laughs> uh, yeah, just I'll be sure to cut it out. Promise. Just a sip. I I am gonna include the audio of it pouring into the glass. <laughs> no. Yeah. 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 Um. <laughs> What so somebody's thinking about like uh, I remember for a long time my I did a couple marathons that were in the four thirties ended up around four fifteen. Got to a point I got to like three thirty. I couldn't figure anything else out on my own, but I knew I wanted to level up. So if somebody's like in a situation similar to that, what's your what's the first thing that you're telling them as advice? I mean, I honestly believe that there's a bunch of really good coaches out there and it's probably trying to find someone that fits um, with with the needs that you want. Um, you know, there's so many different coaches that uses, use different um, methods to kind of get the same results and you have to mesh well with that person. So I wouldn't put it uh, past anyone or I wouldn't stop encouraging anyone to kind of reach out and ask two or three coaches to kind of, uh, tell them, tell that person their philosophies and kind of see where they mesh and where they jive with, with that person. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, if the, if the, if, if the runner, the new runner or whoever talks to that coach and says something like, you know, I can only run four days a week and, you know, these are my days and can you work around that? And the coach says, well, you know, you need to do five um or six and you know you need to do the day you know as many miles as you can and they can't fit it into their lifestyle then you know that coach is probably not for them so i just do a little bit of shopping around it's like when you go out and buy shoes you you've got to try through a few different pairs of shoes on to Mm -hmm. make sure that they work work well for you so it's kind of the same concept yeah lydia same answer no, I think I think um, I would have, I mean, obviously, yes, I agree with that for sure. I think for me, it would be trying to really figure out why it is that you want to make that leap, because I think that's a big important, and I think we'll talk about kind of like finding your why, but if you're going to really level up and do something really hard, I think you have to think about, is it because your friend's doing it, or is it because your husband wants to do it, because I think to run a marathon or, you know, just to run a race or something like that, you can do it because somebody else is doing it. But if you're going to do something big, it's got to be some for 
a re a bigger reason and you've got to really it's harder like you have to commit to it and so you know really it's really committing to that to that goal and saying you're gonna um like why is it that you want to do it do you want to make yourself better do you want to you know have a big goal that you want to achieve and that's important to you i think just kind of figuring out why and really committing to diving in because these running's hard and so when you have a big goal in running it's it's hard and i think you can't just kind of do it on a on a whim i think you have to really be committed to it and i think to do what we're talking about which is a big breakthrough is um, yeah. kind of figuring out the big reason why i love it all i went i was going to say i wouldn't add anything else but of course i'm going to add something else <laughs> my only other wow, thing would you. be just like other than being coached by Paul, I would say for a long time, I was just running solo. Um, and the, I think I l- learn the most um, fundamental things from um, Paul and you, Lydia. Um, but it, like having a running community really gets you out the door a lot more and makes like, 4 30 a.m wake up calls a lot better and if you can set goals with people and um level up that way it's a lot easier well i will say like even just us running our workout this morning like and i ran with uh a girlfriend of mine julia who is a great runner in town and i felt like i leveled up today like we met and we pushed each other in a very positive way and we were having fun but I wouldn't have run that by my. I wouldn't have run that by myself yeah. or, or with any guys. Like it was, it was us girls. We were pushing each other, and it was. It's really cool to think about. We were. I feel like I got better this morning. Yeah, and I think there's obviously value in you know like having runs by yourself to think and push yourself yeah. and all that stuff. But I would, I would never give up. Um, and it's fun. The camaraderie, yeah, and it's fun, and it's you have some. Converse, you find yourself in conversations you never thought you'd be in. We're normal. Mm. Never. Yeah. Okay, anything else? Okay, I'm going to so. get Janine on. Well, the most difficult question we're going to ask. Well, it's actually not difficult. Who's your favorite of the three of us? y'all are so funny well i had told jacob when i gave him the feedback from last week i said y'all need to have someone who doesn't know you give you feedback because i adore the three of you and so all my feedback is going to be really good that is when you said you adored me the most i remember specifically Note to the producer, say, edit this I'm part. I'm going to stay out of this battle. All right. Okay. So let's All get right. started because I know Janine probably wants, has other things to do. No, I'm good. I'm good. I've been, I've been mentally preparing all day for it. Okay, Janine, tell us a little bit about yourself, Janine. What do you do? Where are you from? And then we'll dive into your killer marathon. Okay, perfect. Um, my name is Janine Kirch. I live in Jacksonville, Florida. I'm originally from Michigan. I am an attorney here in town at the law firm of Padgett and Padgett. And I have been running probably since law school. Nothing serious. Definitely not racing and definitely no marathoning. I think I did my first half marathon in 2010, maybe. So uh, newer to distance running when I joined PRS in 2012. So back in 2010, what was your PR? For the half, do you remember? I on my first half, I ran a one fifty four. Oh, not bad. That's a good, good. first half. That's a really we, good. I was so happy. I yeah. <laughs> well, you. What is your half PR now? Yeah. What is your half half PR now? My half PR now is one. What is it? One thirty eight thirty. So awesome. good. Okay. Okay. So I'm hoping to, um, that's my next goal is I'm hoping to, to do a new half 
PR, especially in light of the marathon. I'm like, wow, what am I capable of doing in the half marathon? Yeah, now? right. Uh, when did you move from Michigan? I moved to Jacksonville from Michigan in 2004 to go to law school. And I didn't think that I was going to stay here. I just didn't know when I would leave. And then I became a prosecutor for 10 years after I graduated law school and kind of just stayed. And now I practice uh, personal injury. Yeah, we didn't think we were going to stay here when you moved from Wisconsin either. But here we are, 12 years later. Yeah. Um, Okay. So I don't even know what to say. You just had the race of your life, correct? I did. Toronto Marathon in Toronto. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's in Uh Canada, in case y'all didn't know. (laughs) And just, I don't know, talk about it. Well, first of all, let's back up. Let's back up just a little bit. So Janine had been on the bus trying to qualify for Boston and just kept having kind of hit or miss races like we all do. And so we tried last year or two years ago and then COVID happened. COVID happened. And then, then it just became your full on mission. So kind of tell us about the last few years, the last few years trying to get it. And then what sparked this one and all of that. Sure, sure. So I ran my first marathon in 2013 with Philadelphia, even though I had sworn I would never run a marathon. And, um, and then kind of after that, um, I had a couple marathons where I was just along for the ride, you know, figuring out the marathon is um, difficult and understanding the marathon is difficult, but you have to do a few of them to really get it right. And so Um, I think 2016 was my first real attempt in Eugene, Oregon to try and qualify for Boston. I know I trained pretty well. I don't think it was very serious, but I had done all the workouts. And I I remember getting to the start line of that race thinking, I don't want to do this anymore. And it was the worst race of my life. It was the longest 26 miles in history. Um, (laughs) And so I, I kind of had, you know, a couple of comeback races after that. Um, what was your I, time in your first one? I think my PR, my first one was about a, I think it was a 402. Um, so uh, I was yeah, pretty happy. Yeah. yeah, I was happy with that, I guess. Um, and then I ran my, my PR before Toronto was the 2018 grandmas. I ran a 340.31. And that was, that was before, remember the Boston qualifying time, they'd, that year later that year they lowered the time but at that time i only had to run a sub 340 yeah. and i ran a 340 31 so um it was pretty disappointing and then you know my next couple of races i did tunnel and then cim was the last marathon i had done before toronto and that was in 2019 and i think i ran a 342 yeah. so um, definitely, you know, was something I'd wanted to do. Obviously it's, it's the pinnacle, yeah. right? It's the, the, the race that everybody wants to qualify for. And, and I'm not even sure for me so much. I mean, I'm excited to run Boston, but I think it was just a matter of You're doing quick, it right. right? Yeah. So I, I did it. Time. I'm yeah. And so, um, this go around was obviously very different and I know, uh, the three of you are very aware of it. Um, in October, I lost my training partner in a car accident. And it was very, very hard. Obviously, it's still hard on all of us. It's a very tough loss. Um, and it, he wanted to qualify for Boston this year. And so I, you know, had had a tough year before we lost Brits, right? Like I had already was going through the end of my marriage, was struggling with that. I had actually moved into a place closer to Fritz. Um, after, you know, I separated from my husband just so that I, I knew I was going to need him, right. I knew I was going to need Fritz to get through that hard time and that we would run together often. And we did, right. I mean, it was, and he counseled me through what I was going through and he was just there for me like a best friend. And so, um, when we lost him, obviously that was a, it took us all to a very dark place and it was very difficult. Um, so I couldn't, think of a better way to get out of my dark place than to, you know, say, Hey, I'm, I'm going to do this, not just for him, but for me too. Right. Yeah. You know? Um, and so January 1st, I started the training program. Paul had, uh, 
have been had been writing my schedule for the last 17 weeks and just kind of put my head down and focused only on really running and working. I feel like that's all I did um, for the last 17 weeks, but it was completely worth it. Well, but Janine, like on this, so what we've been talking about on this podcast is that the, the thing about leveling up, say you're really going for something big. And I feel like this training cycle, like we were with you the last training cycle, but this was different. Like you really were a different runner this time. And I know well, just a different person too. Just, right. Yeah. But I mean, I think that like, obviously like you were running for something bigger than yourself and all of that. But like, what do you think it was? Like, what do you think you did? Like, was it that you were more dialed in? Was it that you were committed to the training? Like, what was it? Cause you really took it another step forward. Right. Well, I think it was, a couple of things. Um, obviously, the big driving force for me was to make Fritz proud. And I I didn't want to let him down. But I also didn't want to let myself down. Because I think, you know, all four of us on this have done marathons where you're at that point in the race where it hurts so badly that you tell yourself it's not worth it anymore. And I didn't want to get to that point. I was tired of that point beating yes, me in the race. And so I, I said, I'm not, it's, I'm not, it's not happening again. <laughs> and so um, I think, you know, what we've, what we've learned from the marathon and anyone who's done one is that it will take everything from you and more. <laughs> and so you have to go into that knowing that and saying, when I get to that point, I'm going to just keep going. And that's kind of how I trained was, you know, at the end of all my long runs, I would literally just put my head down and say, I'm going for it. I'm going to just push it as hard as I can um, because I know it's going to hurt in the race. So why not make it hurt now? And I can figure out how to tolerate it later. Yeah, you were, you were so dialed in. So, and the so final dialed. result was a almost 20 minute PR. And what was your official time? Uh, my official time was 324.48. And... Yeah. You only needed, which I'm, I'm saying only, but you only needed a 340, right? Right. So you yes. like crossed off the Boston list, crossed off the like 330 list, crossed <laughs> off the 325 list. Yeah. It was so insane the week before the race. And I know all three of you know, because I was texting you like a mad woman <laughs> that I was losing my mind. Taper crazies is a real thing. And it was, it was kind of funny to me because all along, I knew I was so fit. Like I knew I was going to do it, but that week before really got to me. I was scared. I didn't want to let people down. I knew what I was it meant to me, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and even so like the day before, you know, we were all texting and I was in my, my hotel bed laying there trying to keep calm. And it was really like the falling asleep was so difficult the night before the race. I honestly thought I was on the verge of a panic attack. I was so, I was so nervous. But I woke up crazy calm and I got out of bed and I'm like, why do I feel this calm? And I walked in the bathroom and I just knew I was going to do it. That's so good. I felt that way. I felt that way about you. I felt like there was just no, there was just no question. Um, but I think it like, and I think for this, like what we're talking about on this episode is kind of like finding your why. And I feel like that you kind of define that in this, that I was, Jacob just was asking me, if you're going for a big goal, like what's a, something for a new, mar not a new marathoner, but a new person trying to go for something big. And I said, you really kind of have to have a reason because you can't just be like, my friend's doing it. So I'm going to do it. Like That's not big enough to make you work as hard as we want to work. Mm -hmm. But the fact that you really were trying to do it for yourself, for your training partners, for, but I mean, so much for like you and your self-confidence, it was, it was just such a, like you really, I feel like you really had a purpose for why you were running that marathon. And that makes such a difference. Yeah, it, it definitely, you know, it definitely does. I think going into it, um, I was very scared because I set a lofty goal. You probably all di didn't tell me, but you probably all thought, wait a minute, Janine wants to run a 325? I knew you could do it. And uh, I remember Lydia's and you were texting because Lydia told me that you said, yeah, Paul needs to work on his uh, his uh, pre-race pre pre text. <laughs> <laughs> Because he's not very, he man-tacks. 
Yeah, I do. But but all that to say, I knew you were in sub 325 shape. I just didn't want you to go too crazy hard. And you raced perfectly. There was not any moment of that race where you slowed down. You were just hitting your, your splits. And, man, I mean, you can look back now and say. It's like a training session on marathoning. Yeah, yeah. Well, one interesting story about the race is Patrick and I were on the bus to the start line of yeah. the race. And Patrick said, look, I'm only going to give you this advice and I need you to listen to me. He said, when you're on the course, you need to make a friend and run with that friend for as long as you can. He said, I know you don't like to run alone and I know you only like running with your training partners, but you need to make a friend. And I was like, nope, I'm not going to do it. Well, around mile 10-ish, I think, is um, when I made a friend on the course. His name was Harry, and he was from uh, London, Ontario. And I'd been kind of running near him for a little bit, so I knew we were running the same pace. And, you know, I was sticking very much to my plan of the 6.14.6. And so I was in the 14 phase where I knew I just needed to hold my pace for as long as I could. And so I ran up next to him, and I said, hey, are you running, you know, a 7.45 pace? And it's like, well, I'm in kilometers, but <laughs> I think that's that that's what we're averaging. So um and I stayed with him until mile twenty-two. Um, we were coming down the water and they had told us they're like, look, when you whip around to come back, it's going to be very windy. What we didn't know is that it was a twenty plus mile an hour headwind um in the last four miles. But this this guy who didn't even know who I was, um, just as before we turned around said to me, he goes, Janine about to get windy tuck in behind me but we're gonna take off (laughs) and uh, so I I I got behind him and I really tried to stay with him but the wind was just brutal and so I I just kind of had to do my own thing and I dug deep and thought about all the things that I needed to to motivate me to not stop and just kept going and when I finished the race I was I was just kind of out of it right it's a little bit shocked kind of whimpering I'm not really sure what I was doing And then, you know, I FaceTimed Paul and Lydia from inside that building after the race. And as soon as I put my phone down, I hear this person say, Janine. And I look up and it was my new friend, Harry. And I said, Harry, I swear if I didn't see you right now, I would have thought I hallucinated (laughs) throughout the race. (laughs) But... But I am I am 100% confident that Fritz sent that guy to me. There's no doubt in my mind. I don't think I would have done it or done it as fast, right? I don't think I would have done a sub 325 without him. So I'm eternally grateful to Harry and to Fritz for looking out for me. That's brave. If if I had asked somebody that question and they said, well, I'm going in kilometers, I'd have been like, okay, peace out. I can't, <laughs> I can't do that math at all. I can't, I can barely do it for miles. Well, you know, one of the things I learned from this race was take as much advice about a course that you can from people. It was the week before the race, my last long run, I think I had done 10 from, you know, our long run. And as I was leaving the parking lot, Stacy kind of flagged me down to wish me luck and said, Janine, I really think that you should write your 5k splits on your arm because Enoch, who had done the race, had told him that his watch went a little bit crazy. And the course is, of course, only marked in kilometers because it's in Canada. And so the the day before the race, I kind of laid in bed and worked out all my 5K splits because I wasn't running an even pace throughout the race. So I kind of had to do a bunch of math, and I figured it out. I wrote it on a sheet of paper. And then that morning, I wrote all the 5K splits on my left arm. And thankfully, I did because that was my only gauge of where I was with pace because my watch went just crazy throughout the whole course and stopped even keeping track of my miles at mile 16. So I had no idea. Oh, yeah, you just ran like 28 miles. (laughs) Right. So um, it was kind of neat. But that's something that I would advise to any marathoners. Hey, listen to the people who have done that course and raced it because – Without that, I wouldn't have known if I was on pace. Right. Yeah, totally. Well, listen, Janine, we are so proud of you. You definitely deserved um, doing that. And you trained so hard and, you know, like. Paul was like, Paul was literally screaming. You can edit this out, Jacob. But Paul was literally screaming in his phone. He had his little glasses on. (laughs) Come on, Janine. Oh, God. Oh, God. Here she comes. Come on, Janine. Come on, Janine. Like, it was like for 30 minutes at the end. It was yeah. so, he was so like, he was crying. It was so, oh. 
And then when you crossed the finish line, I was like, and, I, and your time finally came through. I was like, oh my God. I was like screaming at the top of my lungs. I just understand it. <laughs> it was so, like we were there. Yeah. So I, well, I appreciate that love and support. I mean, truthfully though, you can't do it without each other, right? I mean, no. you can't do it without your running friends, your training you partners. You doing it without each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, I'll say this, and I don't, I don't know if you want this part for the podcast, but one of the things I thought about was how, how much support I got from my training partners who also ran with Fritz, right? It was hard for them too, but they trained with me day in and day out. And it was rare that I ran by myself, but I found like running by myself was very hard because that's when I would really think about Fritz and talk about Fritz and talk to Fritz. And Paul and Lydia can attest to this. I had busted through their door one Tuesday night with mascara crawling off my face, practically hyperventilating, saying I couldn't do it without him. And so I'm very thankful that we all have that support in our running community because that loss has been so hard and everyone has been very supportive of each other, right? We all have a great story with Fritz and and he's been motivation for all of us. And so for that, you know, I'm grateful for everyone's support. And I would just say that that's kind of what is beneficial for running in general. Like, I think that Fritz's wife is finding that here. I think just in general, people that that run are passionate people. And so it's just mm-hmm. such a good community for people that are losing anyone or dealing with, like, losing a job, losing anything. It's like you, if you have this community, it's passionate people, it's people that are um have goals yeah have goals Mm -hmm. don't meet goals I mean they're you know I kind of get frustrated that it's kind of our life that sometimes I'm disappointed on a Tuesday morning that I had a bad run before I go to work but at the end of the day that's kind of what that's why we surround ourselves with people like our like us you know to kind of help us get through those yeah troubled times oh absolutely and you know it like you said going through a hard time alone is bad but you have your, your running family that keep you going. And I remember just thinking, gosh, last year was so bad. And then there came a point early on in my marathon training where I just was slowly starting to feel like myself again. And it was really helpful for me. And I felt like I was going to be able to move forward. Just having that small glimpse of like, it's coming back. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to feel again and feel better. And running did that for me. And it was very helpful to have a goal, very healing for sure. Yeah. As I was saying, going to say, Jen, we're really proud of you, and we can't. Thank you. I can't wait for us to, you know, get done with that silly Boston marathon <laughs> and party up a little bit. But which, which, speaking of which, you didn't drink since January one, right? December thirty first, right? I, I stopped last time I had drank for four months until the race, and everyone kind of gave me, you know, a hard time jokingly about yeah. it. But I'll tell you, it was completely worth it. And I recommend to anyone who is really trying to dial in and dig deep and get that goal, you got to sit down and and take out all the things that are standing in your way. Yeah, love it. (laughs) I'd like to edit in the sound effect of Lydia pouring her glug glug glass of wine (laughs) before you join yet. I'm not. I'm not dialed in yet. I think when we're talking about the whys of running, what what I remember from my last race is, um, you know, it gets to a point in the race where you're like, why am I doing this? It's a terrible idea. It's the dumbest thing I've ever done. Um, but then what cycles through my mind, and I think um, this falls in line with what you say about Fritz and your training partners, like I do this really corny thing, like I go through the alphabet and try to think of things that I'm grateful for to like get a boost of energy and take my mind off the pain. And so little of it is about myself and like trying to like have a, a cool medal or whatever, but it's all about like the people in my life and not that people would be disappointed in me if I did bad or if I dropped out of the race or if I, um, you know, just failed miserably, but it's like kind of honoring yourself and it's honoring like that time that they spent with you. And I think like our running community, like there aren't many communities of friends on earth that'll like wake up at 5am with you and go kill themselves on the road. (laughs) 
to help you with yeah. the workout. It's raw, it's raw emotion at 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. That's what I always say. I said that to my friends running 22 miles on Saturday. I, we were talking about something at mile 20, and I said, I don't know why. I'm only telling you guys. Like, it was kind of something kind of personal. I'm like, I'm only telling you guys this because we're 20 miles deep. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just a beautiful thing. It is very beautiful. And I'm grateful to, you know, all my training partners because they weren't training for a marathon, but they trained with me. Yeah. And, you know, they, they would joke about trading off like, all right, who's keeping up with her today. And, um, and I'm so (laughs) thankful for them. And and like Jacob, like you, you did my Yasos with me at like what a week and a half post marathon (laughs) for you. And I'm so thankful for you because we, we rocked them and it gave me such a great confidence boost. It's a punishing workout. And it's, uh, but it definitely made me be like, okay, I'm fit. Like I'm ready for this. Yeah. And if you have an especially mean coach, they only let you take a minute between the yeah. 800. That is the definition of the Yasso workout, Jacob. <laughs> I mean, this is if a you very Google difficult it, there are workout. different definitions and that's the meaner one for sure. But like you were saying, Jacob, like one of the things that I was thinking about during a race, like I had a couple mantras that I wanted to remember for when it got really tough. Um, one of them was you have everything you need to get through this, you know, and that's where the trust in your training comes in. And that's what I would tell any newer marathoner, right. Is just trust in the training, believe in those workouts, go back and think about those tough workouts. Like remember the workout we did that Monday after gate river run that ended with bridge repeats it was a 10 mile Monday workout. It was super tough. But I remember getting to the top of the bridge after the last repeat. And it was me and y'all, all the guys, right? And all yeah. the guys, all y'all fasties. And they were up there huffing with hands on their knees, just like I was. And I'm like, wait a minute. It's hard for them too. And they're fast. I'm like, I can do this. So I thought about that workout during the, there's a really big hill in Toronto at mile three. Thankfully it's early enough, but that's what I thought about. I'm like, I can do this. I did this on a Monday. And right. so you have to remember those things. And especially when it gets really tough, you know, when we flipped around into the wind, it was mile 22. And I knew I was, I knew I was going to have to dig deep and I didn't want to stop. This is the first marathon I didn't walk in whatsoever. And I was so proud of that. That's a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. I was so pumped about that. Like I didn't walk one time in this 26.2 mile race, but when we turned around and it was, you know, mile 22, I had to start thinking about, like you said, people, people who had sacrificed things in their lives to achieve goals that motivated me. It got me through some pretty dark miles. And one of the things I know this is probably a little cheesy for the podcast, but I wrote in addition to the five K splits, I wrote the word relentless on my arm Mm -hmm. because I wanted to take on this race relentlessly and be like, I don't care what you throw at me. I'm going to do it. And I honestly, like I thought about that when the wind was blowing in my face, I won't cuss on your podcast because I know it's not loud, but (laughs) I, I was having some words with the wind and I basically told the wind, do what you want. You are, I am, I am not going down. I am, I got you. That's awesome. That's awesome. So it, but you know, it took me a long time to get there. So I think that, you know, all everyone on this podcast can attest that you've had those races where you gave up and that sticks with you and you don't want to disappoint yourself again. You just come to the point where it's time. And so I, my advice to anyone who's trying to reach any goal in the marathon, whether it's just to complete it or to BQ is, you know, you got to be patient. It's a very unforgiving distance. Mm-hmm. And like Lydia says, it does not respect you. <laughs> it does no, not at all. Mm-hmm. We said that last week. Well, you said that last week. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that it's, it's so true. I mean, it just, it takes practice. And uh, we were talking about something earlier, like how, how did I get through something? And I said, yes, some of it's just like, it's hard to teach. Like you have, to, it's practice. Like it mm-hmm. just takes, it's not something that happens overnight. I mean, these workouts don't happen overnight. The training doesn't happen overnight. Races don't happen overnight. You have to just keep trying keep and it's hard. Up. I mean, our successes are are born from our failures, right? Like how many times have we had bad races or, you know, I, (laughs) one of the things I didn't, I don't think during this training cycle, I didn't have one good race at all. I mean, terrible. All of them, the half marathon, my gate marathon. I was worried because your half marathon was that you did a month ago was not that great. It was terrible. It was horrible. It was 70 degrees at the start. And I almost walked off that course too. I almost walked off the gate course. So, I mean, I had, you know, those things in my mind that I had to forget about. And I think that's one of the things, I think that was a changing the turning point for me in marathon training. 
And I hope that other people find this. I've been trying to teach it to people like Carrie and Danielle is that, you know, it's at the end of the day, the world's going to keep spinning. So no matter what you do good or you do bad, the world's going to keep going and you just go and give it your best. But the other thing was, I think I stopped being afraid of the workouts, right? Mm -hmm. I stopped fearing the pain. And honestly, that's when things change for me. Yeah. 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 We wanted someone to be on here that, um, the second podcast that had committed and kind of achieved that, uh, BQ moonshot and you kind of did that. And then, you know, in the next couple of weeks, we'll try to get on someone, get to someone who's shooting for a race coming up. So but how happy of... are you that you're going to Boston finally? I'm so happy. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm going to be there with so many of my friends and family. It's right? like the like best year be... because so many people are going. It's like, it's almost it's... like meant to be that it happened this way. Exactly. No, I'm, I'm so pumped. I'm so happy. Uh, I'm excited for all the people who are going to be queued here in the next few months. And I know there are so many people in the club that are training ridiculously hard and um, I know they're going to do it too. Yeah. I got to, we got to, we got, I got to do it in three weeks. You, you've got this. Yeah. <laughs> you've got it. Yeah. No. You'll be okay. great. Never know. It's a marathon. Well, we love you, Janine. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, Janine, you're Thank you. you're amazing, and I hope everybody um, looks up your Strava and sees how amazing your race was. Oh, they're gonna be like, "Why did she do an ultra?" Oh yeah, so, <laughs> why did she do twenty eight miles? Why did they do twenty eight miles? No, I really appreciate it. We've had it tangents. <laughs> Thank you all for the support. Like your words of encouragement and support and all the text messages. I know like our, our group texts leading up to the race really helped. I mean, it's, it is, it is a very stressful and a very scary thing, especially when the goal means a lot to you. Um, But if, but if people are, you know, and, and I don't know, I think another thing that I would tell runners too is don't be afraid to set that lofty goal, right? It was very scary for me at first, but um, but you're not going to achieve it unless you set it for yourself, right? right? Like you've got to have something to work towards, and you can do it. And I don't, you can't do it alone. I don't think that's the case. Um, yeah. I definitely wouldn't have trained the way I did without my yeah. training partners. They're, they mean more to me than anything. So yeah. I'm, I owe a lot to them. Well, thanks, Janine. We'll let you go. We love you. We love you. I love yeah. you guys so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate everything. Thank you. Thanks. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Well, I don't think I have anything left to say to either of you anyways. Well, I just think this. Like... Janine is one of those people that has tried to BQ. She took a BQ moonshot for the last five years. And it wasn't until she truly found her why that she put in 110% effort and truly, truly said it. And I know some of that was like a bad, bad thing that happened because we lost Fritz. She lost Fritz. But I mean, Fritz... No, and I was didn't want to say this while she was talking, but Fritz would have been happy and proud of her no matter what. Yeah, Fritz was that type of guy that would have been happy and proud mm-hmm. no matter what. Fritz but, would have been proud well, of the effort. Yeah, but, but God, I mean, would he have been proud of this? Yes. Yeah, definitely. We didn't even talk about our why. I know. So for everybody listening, we said we're going to talk about the whys. We'll talk about it next week. How about that? That sounds good to me. That's it for this episode of the BQ Moonshot Podcast. We're really excited about this podcast and hope it continues to encourage you to set some scary goals and put in the work. After you've listened to Janine's story, I'm sure you're inspired. We've loved your feedback and two weeks in, we're thankful that you bear with us as we figure out the best ways to set this up. If you'd like to help share this podcast, be sure to subscribe or leave us a rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Now, if you haven't already, get out and go for a run.